Hey everyone, welcome to the first show. I'm your host, Rotwang. You'll be hearing from other departments a little later. Before we continue, I want to thank today's musical director, Ms. Joan Jett, and her Blackhearts. Thanks, Joan. I appreciate all the uh, respect and just the generosity. So we'll definitely be, be back, yeah, I would think. Any time. I mean that. Also, uh, don't let me forget, I'll help you break down your stage. When I saw you setting it up, I was thinking a beautiful lady shouldn't have to move those big speakers. So just give me the word. Well, I don't know that it's got anything to do with, with sexuality at all. I was mad that, that people didn't think that girls could, could do this. Um, there was no support for girls playing rock and roll. Well, I support you. When you're singing and you pop those naughty eyes or you do that quick lick of your lips, I feel like I need to support you. Do you want to touch me? I, I, I can't. I'm taken. You owe it to yourself to reach for your dreams. I don't know. When you say it, it makes me want to reach. Give me a second. I want to tighten my desk. In the late 70s, while I was in college, I had a graphic design teacher. Everyone agreed he wasn't much of a teacher, but he was aware of the world of design, and to his credit, he enriched his classroom space with issues of Pushpin Graphics Magazine and Upper and Lowercase Magazine. I gravitated to Pushpin because it was more about illustration. I also enjoyed how each issue of Pushpin related to a theme. This podcast will follow that approach. Some of the themes we've appropriated directly from Pushpin. Other themes will come from elsewhere. This first show is from elsewhere. Joey was Jerry. I know. He didn't want us to do it till he knew how. My first pinup that I can remember was Jenny McCarthy. I had a, she was on the uh, the MTV show Singled Out, and I don't know. I just wanted that girl really bad, and I didn't even know why really. You know, and as a 14 year old boy or whatever. It's funny to look back and think of her as like the way that I put her on a pedestal in my mind when I was 14 years old. But yeah, she's not the archetypal beauty for me anymore, that's for sure. She's a mom now, and she's too dignified. The first was Bobby Sherman, followed by David Cassidy. Then it was Donny Osmond. They were so dreamy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Billy had this big life-size cutout in his room, remember? So Angelina and Julie. And so when he moved out, when they moved out, he took her. I think she's at their house. I think Lindsay is like... No, she's down in the basement. So Angelina's in our house? In the basement. I thought he took her to But she's Delaware. folded. She's a contortionist. I thought he took her to Delaware. I don't think so. 
probably goes down there. Unfolds her. When I was a kid, I cut out a photo of Diana Ross and pinned it to the wall. Today this seems a little bit odd, but then I must have been being controlled by the media. I had a transistor radio and they were always playing the Supremes. Time to remind you that this is WKFR Phoenix 14. Oh yeah! Where's music? Much more music! For Battlefield! All day long! It's a winner! It's WKFR! The Supremes were big on television, too. I remember getting the magazine I took the photo of Diana Ross from at a gas station. My parents bought it for me for something to do on a trip to Detroit. I remember the gas station attendant handing it to me through the rear car window. From Hitsville, USA, the home of the world-famous Detroit Sound, we invite you to meet Motown Records' Golden Girls, the undisputed queens of popular music, the Supremes. Well, tell me, Diana, how did it all begin? Oh, mm, boy, long time. Now, <laughs> we started singing when we were about 13. We uh, got together in the neighborhood. Now, here's a tough question. I know, I know it's unfair to you, but who are your favorite artists? Just a few of them. Well, not just the Beatles. I love them, really, but there's so many British groups that we met when we were over there that as we were in London, we saw uh, the Lena Horn show, and they were very fabulous performers. They had an act laid out that was beautiful, you know. The photo was a black and white image printed on a grainy pulp paper. In the photo, Diana was wearing a spangled sheath dress. She stood in an S-pose. Her stance in the dress made her look curvy. Her hair was what they called in the 60s a flip bouffant. I thought she was very pretty. From a long time ago, I was younger, you know. I remember sweet special candy. And west of St. Louis, they made something chewy. Back in 1918, it was dandy. St. Joseph was merry with maraschino cherries. Crushed peanuts, milk chocolate, so fine. The red and white wrapper, oh, they still look so dapper. Chases cherry lash, you are sublime. It used to cost a nickel, not a dime. It always made my baby sweet to smile. It's a cherry mash day, a cherry mash day. Take a little taste and your trouble slip away Since 1918 in St. Joe, Missouri Peter's built chocolate and maraschino cherries My great-granddad was a little whippersnapper He was glad to have a red and white wrapper Chase a cherry mash Have a cherry mash day You haven't had any licks yet, have you? Hmm? No. Woo! Another cherry, boys.
my first paycheck came from my paper route. The highlight of my entire Paperboy career was during a contest to increase subscribers. I knocked on a lot of doors, but this one was different. A young black woman in her 20s opened the door. She was smiling happily and asked me in before I could even explain I was selling the paper. She was wearing a spaghetti strap t-shirt and sweats. She asked me to sit down. She treated me like a guest instead of a nuisance. I waited while she called to her roommate. Another young black girl came out from the back of the apartment. She was combing her hair and they both sat across from me. I have no idea what I said. I must have explained the benefits of subscribing to the newspaper. But what I was thinking was, this is like a sexy dream. <laughs> the girls seemed very happy. They were laughing a lot. I felt they were putting me on somehow, maybe wasting my time. I started to notice the room. It had an interesting atmosphere. It had a sweet musky smell and there was a bit of haze in the room. On the coffee table between us was a large clear jar holding layers of brownish water. To me the jar seemed odd and slightly illicit. I really didn't see a use for the jar and it was ugly with the murk. Now it seems to me these two might have made themselves a water pipe. I was surprised to find that these ladies were not wasting my time. They did start taking the paper and they helped me win a new bike. In the future, the world has survived. Romance has not. Right, so we'll say a dinner, complete sexual encounter, optional episode in the morning, right? I gotta run this past my own lawyer. Pleasure is strictly business. But it will be possible to have the perfect mate. A Cherry 2000. Looks great. Thanks. Thoughtful. Desirable. She'll never run out on him. Just short out. I'm sorry, kid. Total internal meltdown. Now you got her basic memory right here. Vocal patterns, verbal, whatever. Basic voice. Don't look so glum. Your chassis's out for the count, all right? You got the chip. You go in, you pick yourself out a new model. You slide it in the slot. You got yourself your girl back in a brand new frame. Give me a call if you find a Cherry. Cherry 2000. My date with Zelda was unusual. It was different for two reasons. First, because I invited her to a concert instead of a movie. And second, because Zelda was the first black girl I went out with. The concert was Kid Creole and the Coconuts. I was really into the band at the time. Kid was a founding member of Dr. Buzzard's original Savannah band. And I always liked the mix of big band, disco, and swing that they made into a novelty in the late 70s. I, th I think I enjoyed the music more than my date. Zelda and I didn't seem to have any chemistry. I was aware that she was more quiet than usual. I should say here that I knew her from work, and at work she was just the right amount of competent and fun. She was smart, beautiful, and had a great sense of humor, so it wasn't difficult to see a change in her demeanor. I think I understand this better now. I had recently been jilted by another girl at the same job. I didn't enjoy the attention that brought me. I didn't like everyone knowing how soundly I'd been dumped. But in some way, my date with Zelda helped that whole situation. I didn't understand it then, but now I believe Zelda agreed to the date as an act of pity, a pity date. 
I think she knew, even if I didn't, that I needed some equilibrium. I have to believe that she thought I was a decent fellow, or she wouldn't have gone out with me to the show. Anyway, I'm glad she did. And now, the juicy truth with number nine and Rotwang. It's La Crema, 2006, $24 a bottle. It's a Pinot Noir from the Sonoma Coast, AVA. That's the American viticulture area of Sonoma Coast in California. Got too much for a taste? <laughs> Traditional wine service, after you cork it, you pour it like that much, and then you have someone taste it first, and then they say, okay, new no Should we let it set a little bit too? I don't think so. It's a Pinot, so there's there's not that many tannins in it. Well, the first things we want to talk about are the things that we can talk about without actually tasting it. So we're going to look at color and clarity first. It's pretty transparent. It's, it looks like it's going to be on the lighter end of the Pinots. Although some can be just as rich as cabs. And it's red. It's not purpley, it's more reddish to yeah, me, isn't it? I heard of this trick where you swirl it in your glass and you can see the alcohol hang a little bit on the side. On the side, yeah. That's right. Swirling your wine like that does two things. First, it opens up the wine and allows you to access all of the aromas, which is very important to fully enjoying the wine. Second, it allows you to see the wine tearing from the side of the glass, which shows the alcohol content. The more it sticks to the side of the glass, usually that indicates the higher alcohol content. Now, do you, do you just swallow yours down or do you like roll it around? There is one trick that um, is kind of weird, but it, it aerates it like while it's in your mouth. <laughs> do that into the microphone. So you... <laughs> That's how my father-in-law eats soup. Yeah, it may not be very good manners, but... I think it, you know, it gets the air in unless you taste the flavors a little better. I was giving this a whiff and I don't, it didn't seem to have a heavy aroma. I'd say it has like dark flute, I mean dark fruit aroma. You're not going to be able to use that. What? Dark, dark flute? <laughs> I think we should leave. <laughs> How many of you tasted? <laughs> I don't know, I don't. I don't smell anything except maybe the alcohol. Well, that's probably because we just opened it. Well, now I've had a long time to experience the aftertaste, and it tastes a little vegetable-y to me, like uh, corn. <laughs> you gotta use your teeth. Oh, you do it through your teeth? <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. as expensive as it is because it tastes really polished. There's not one thing that stands out over another because it's it's really refined. I can I can kind of taste what you're talking about in there. It's um it's harder to describe though that way cuz it's kind of real smooth and kind of a uh, there're no seams. 
right? And that, this is sort of what they try to achieve by blending different varietals together, is they try to make that smooth, soft-cornered taste. Is this the one that's supposed to be all cherry-fied? Yeah. Okay, I'm not getting that at all. In I was getting something darker, like blueberry. Something that's not, not very tart. It is called La Crema, so it is describing that it's creamy and soft. In that case, it's succeeding. I would I would call it creamy, the texture of it anyway, on your tongue. I wish it had more cherry flavor. It didn't strike me as cherryish to begin with. Well, it's definitely on the lighter end of the spectrum of this varietal. 13.9% alcohol. But is that getting crazy? 13.9 is getting on the steep side. Gaining on 14% is pretty big. Call like wines with heavy alcohol, alcohol content, big wines. So we talked about the fruit aroma. I mean, sort of unidentifiable. Yeah, it's kind of buried in there, I think. I, I've had more of a more aftertaste that I could pinpoint fresh corn. But anytime I, I get sort of like a vegetable taste, I I call it green. Green? Mm -hmm, because it's like a na not earthy, because that's a different, that's like dirt, and there are wines that taste like dirt. I've I've had those before, yeah. But a green is like a fresh sort of flavor. Um, more often, you have them with white wines. Actually, it comes from doing the, um, the wine in a steel barrel. Instead of wood or oak. Yeah, and this Pinot, that could very well have been done in steel. But it was, uh, it lived up to its name. It was creamy mm -hmm. and it's not bad. The body is very thin and light. Mm -hmm. We talked about that. Um, as far as sweetness goes, I would say this is a medium to dry Pinot. I really don't taste much sweetness at all. I don't either. I would say that it's an excellent wine to serve with food. Because it is creamy and it doesn't have one outstanding taste over the other, that way it won't overpower. But it shouldn't be with bland food because it's a little bland on its own. Yeah, I, if I were serving this with a meal, I would want there to be something fantastic about what I was eating. You know, because you can't really pair a really bold and big and heavy red wine with something like what we just ate, chili. Mm -hmm. The spice, and you need relief from that, and it, it just burns. You know, that alcohol burn after you just ate something. But put this with some food. Yeah. Because it's easy to drink. I agree. I was just thinking about what would you want it, and if you had if you had something with a subtle flavor in the food, it would be this would be fine with it. It's not going to compete. Would you buy it again? Would you recommend it? I don't think I would buy it again. I want something more than texture. Well, I agree. I think that it's very smooth and a lovely little wine, but you can get ones at that quality for a cheaper price. This is our point system for judging uh, La Crema. We have nine different categories that we judge separately, and then the tenth is the overall score. And uh, there's 
value of 1 to 10 in each of these categories. You'll hear the categories as we give the number for each. Color was a 10. Clarity, we chose to give it a high score of a 10. The aroma was a fairly low score of 4. For the alcohol content, we gave it a 6 because it was fairly high. The, between the sweetness and the dryness, I, this was a hard one. We, we rated it a 9 because we like really dry wines, and this was dry. The complexity was rather low. We gave that a 4. Uh, for body, we gave it a 10. It swirled very nicely in the glass. The acidity was good, we gave that a 9. <laughs> and uh, for the price, we gave it a 3 because it was a little bit expensive for our taste. So that ended up, we gave it a score of 72. And we agreed that that was a very good score, for, or a, it was a proper score, I should say, yes. for this wine. Right, for a food wine that was a little overpriced. The Rodcast musical bed you're hearing is called Haunted. It's used with the permission of the composer Kim Schutterle. If you have a good idea for a Rotcast theme or a wine suggestion for our review, email your idea to mail at rotcast.com or call the Rotline. The Rotline phone number will be posted at the website or Skype us at callrotcast. Visit www.rotcast.com to learn more about the wines and link to more content. Listen next time when you will hear... If I were a male bee, I wouldn't have a father, and I will be called a drone. A female, ready to mate. Sex! I would fly after her. I would mate her in flight. It's our nuptial flight. He gave a sweet cherry.